the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Did I scare you? It's Rob Black and your money. The UK, China, and other countries have grounded the Boeing 737 MAX 8 after two deadly crashes that were eerily similar. Boeing is on the clock to respond. In the past, historically speaking, stock-wise, disasters have not been a bad problem for the airline companies. They've been something they've been able to work through, even something as horrific as 9-11. The 787 Dreamliner had a lot of issues. Airbus has had problems with some of their planes. Um, We'll see if it's Boeing's fault or pilot error or maintenance issues. The FAA of the United States has come out and said they're safe to fly, but I'll be honest with you. Who wants to be... on a plane that the FAA has to go out of their way to say it's safe. You kind of want that one not to be an issue, even if it's a a PR issue that is manageable. So Boeing has to get in front of this. You're about to learn something on crisis management. And that's all I have for you. Ladies and gentlemen, please turn off your radio as this portion of the show is over. I kid. I kid. One of the more sad things that I'm looking at right now is, is, is cutbacks. When the United States has a massive deficit, we eventually have to pay that stuff back. Or do we just continue to print money and service it and weaken the dollar? It's kind of a nice problem to have. Don't you wish you had that issue? Uh, dear Mr. Mullins... We regret to inform that you owe us $12,000. Honey, go to the printer. Print $12,000. Don't you wish you could do that? That would be kind of cool. Kind of cool. Cool. You're cool, Mr. Black. You're cool. The Education Department's budget is going to be significantly reduced under Trump's 2020 budget. Oh, boy. Does that sound 
you know what we need in the United States is we need high-paid, skilled employees because they uh, pay high taxes. A lot of people think that the problem in the United States is this college-for-profit business model. And I'm not against it. I think there's ways around it. I think we're told as children, if you don't go to college, you won't be successful. I think there's some truth to that. But see, that's where maybe I'm getting some false information, right? I can also tell you that college is totally take advantage of the thought that, you know, parents want to send their kids to college. So, and, and then you put $125,000 debt on either the parents or the kids. You're like, whoa. It's about to get worse, ladies and gentlemen, on the 2020 budget. Uh, President Donald Trump. The education department's budget's going to be reduced significantly. And listen at here, here, here's where it gets. It's called a budget for a better America. It's requesting $62 billion for the Department of Education, which is $7 billion less than last year. It eliminates subsidized student debt in which interest doesn't accrue on the loans while borrowers are in school or in economic hardship. It also reduces the number of repayment plans for borrowers and scratches the popular public service loan forgiveness program. Now, America's gone through a couple of things, a couple of cycles education-wise where uh, we do things like we push the Peace Corps, we push you know different service initiatives. If you go to school, like the United, the GI Bill, the United States government will pay for it if you give three years service to the uh, United States government and the military. Sometimes that's not a bad deal. Sometimes that's a usually that's a pretty good deal, especially if you'd be like a doctor, a pilot, a lawyer. Not only do you get your school paid for, but you get to practice what you learn pretty aggressively. Sweet. So, my, for instance, my brother David went to law school. Government paid for it. He did the service in the Marine Corps. And his first year, he had to prosecute these just disgusting, horrible human beings that did horrible things as Marines to other people. And the next year, he had to defend these. Exactly. Like, he got to, like, learn both sides of it, which is kind of cool. Um, and today, Dave Black. Is, is setting up to be a judge after years of service to the Marine Corps and, and then his own private practice. He's, he's now not only going to prosecute, not only defend, but he's going to judge. And I think that's pretty darn cool. Um, so cutting entitlements or eliminating public service loan forgiveness or cutting subsidized student loans, Pell Grants and things like that, uh, it's very, 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 very negative for our country, in my opinion. What I would like to see our Congress mandate, and I know this is insane, but I think this would go really, really far, is something along the lines, not free, but a really, really good um, community college program nationwide. So you're not saying, okay, kids, you to go to a state university. No, but you do get to you're a taxpayer, maybe go to a community college. We need something in that area of a little bit more education beyond the co- uh, behind high school. If we're going to thrive as a nation, um, we need a better educated workforce. I hate to say it. Um, I hate to say it. Sadly, I know people in my family who sometimes work on bridges and things like that that Probably shouldn't be working on bridges, if you know what I'm saying. Eh? Eh? You know what I'm saying? Anyway, 
I'm an idiot. One of the one of the themes out there is that international stocks can be set for a decline because of weakness that we've seen due to just basically 2009 economic conditions. I'm not going to say Trump. I'm not going to say tax issues. I'm not going to say China. I'm not going to say interest rates. But we're saying global weakening. But here in the United States, we keep hearing this job report is good. This job reports, nothing but job reports, nothing but job is good. So maybe you think of a small cap investment, something that only has exposure to the United States and not necessarily the international empire. The Russell 2000 index comes to mind. It's an index of small cap companies. It's up 13% for the year, beating the 10% return of the Russell 1000, which is a lot of large caps. Small caps are beating large caps. Good guys shoot bad guys. Bad guys die. I know. Small caps are beating a large cap. In large part because there is that kind of global purchasing manager's fear of being correlated to economic conditions worldwide is, is, is kind of lumpy right now. You know... I have an airline joke, but I can't tell it right now because Ethiopian Airlines, it's too soon. I was about to throw down an airline joke, and I'm like, I can't do it. Anyway, valuations for global small caps look reasonable. I know you're saying global small caps. Yeah, sometimes countries don't have to do business outside their own country. That's not the definition of a small cap, by the way. But small capitalized companies tend to have a good idea and they build their business locally, and then they, they tend to expand it later. And that's when they become mid-cap, large-cap. So consider a Morgan Stanley country index, small cap index, like the ACWI, or even like a Russell 1000 in the, in the U.S. No, no, Russell 2000. Russell 1000 is a large cap company. Russell 2000 small. That makes no sense. But you got to go with it. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up in Burlingame next Thursday. This, it's coming up. It's right around the corner. You can learn more on the 20, uh, about the 21st at robblackshow.com. It's Rob Black Show. It's income and retirement. Super important stuff. It's what to invest in now and much, much more. robblackshow.com. Use code RADIO25 to get in far free. We're making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Hello. Is this on? I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Oh, boy. The investment cycle. In the United States, we are in a long bull market. But there's been longer bull markets. There's been 16 years in the UK, from 92 to 2008. Whoa. There's been 20-plus years in Australia in the past. So it's not unheard of. It just feels like, hey, maybe a recession's around the corner. But if investing for a recession is not an investing plan, if you're like, I'm pulling my money out of the market because a recession's coming. Okay, Paul Revere. Well, Paul Revere was right. The British were coming. And they were right to grab your weapons and do whatever you had to do. I, I get it. 
but that doesn't work in, in that doesn't work in stocks. It doesn't work in recessions. You don't invest for a recession. You could say, I want to book some of my gains. It's been a good run. I want to buy some more of my losers as far as sectors go. Maybe you're rebalancing, but you don't say, I'm out. You know, if every hand of poker you're dealt cards and you pick up your cards and you go, fold. Next hand, fold. You're not going to last long at that table. If you're with me or against me, you need to choose a side. This is a civil war. Best thing you can do as a young person is max out your 401k, 403b, 457. Chipotle is giving out $250,000 free guacs and chips. Now, how can you get $250,000 of free guac and chips? Not that difficult. Here's how. Fast casual restaurant. That's fair to say, right? Chipotle rewards now available nationwide. They've got a rewards program. Rewards program. You're hearing more and more about these. Basically, to show people how it feels to get rewarded, Chipotle is saying, hey, let's give people 25,000 Chipotle fans per day a chance to win up to a quarter of a million dollars by using their app. No purchase necessary, but you got to use the app, right? It's a Venmo cash relationship kind of thing. ChipotleRewardMe.com. You submit your phone number associated with your Venmo account. Winners are alerted by Venmo. And you have a chance to win big money. And it's, it's the, what I'm trying to get at is the rewards program. There's something about stickiness programs. Amazon does a pretty good job with small businesses. Not, no, excuse me, not Amazon, but um, American Express. I had the AM right. They do a pretty good job with American Express and small businesses, that partnership. So it's kind of a relationship. So when you see Chipotle trying to say, hey, we're going to give out a quarter of a million dollars. We love guacamole. You love guacamole. Who doesn't love guacamole, right? And then you get in this whole Latin American country say guacamole. Some countries say guacamole. I think we need to have a summit on what do you actually say. Is it the HG or is it the GG? GG, brother. Um, Honda's recalling a million vehicles. Now, Chipotle doing the stickiness with app, right? Stickiness with app subscription, right? Then you see Honda recalling a million vehicles for unsafe air uh, airbags. And here's where a rewards program shows you stickiness of a customer. And here's where like a, a story of a million vehicles being recalled. Um, Honda's going to call a million vehicles. Do you know how much damage is done by that? It's like the whole 787 Max Boeing thing. Some countries will say, I'm going to stay away from that just in case. Some businesses will say, I'm going to stay away from buying one of those just in case. When Honda says they have a million older vehicles in the U.S. that have airbags that ultimately could fail in saving your life, you're like, I want a car with an airbag that saves my life, not one that could fail. The damage is pretty damning. The Accord from 2001 to 2007, the CRV from 2002 to 2006, the Civic from 2001 to 2005. So these are really late model. I mean, old vehicles. Vehicles that were made prior to 2008. That's like, whoa. But 
if you hear the story that Honda's having a recall, at some point in time, it, it, you say, I'm not, I'm not buying into that one. I'll, I'll just pass on that one. So do you see where I'm going out with that? Not as an investor, but as a consumer, recalls are pretty darn damning. On occasion, you'll hear stories like, some Verizon users lost the ability to text buddies on the East Coast, in the Northeast, in the Southeast, somewhere. And you'll go, I, I want to be able to text people. So there's a lot of what are called PR stories that you can kind of read between the lines and help make a case. I never, ever, ever want you to make your financial decisions based on any one story or any one thought. Do you have any people email me and go, I hear, and then it's something like President Trump, President Obama, President Bush, fill in the blank. I hear said president is going to do this, therefore I should invest in that. No, that's not building a case. That's that's, that's one that's how one angle is, is thought up. So a major flight attendance union is calling on US regulators to investigate the plane involved in two crashes in five months, the Boeing Airbus uh the Boeing uh seven forty seven Max uh, eight, not seven forty-seven, seven thirty-seven. My bad, my bad. Um, but yeah, it, there's a little bit of. I'm not going to say the word piling on because that seems to be in poor taste. But Boeing has to get out in front of this fast. Apple stock is cheap no matter how you slice it. So says one analyst today. Yesterday, Bank of America's upgraded the stock to buy saying the pullback presents opportunity. It was up five bucks yesterday. I own shares of Apple. Um, the analyst of Bank of America said, modest reacceleration in services, growth across healthcare, wearables, increasing services, penetration. Um, so a lot of analysts now are, are asked to respond to that upgrade. And one of them is an advisor with a global company. Uh, she says that Apple, based on its valuation, is cheap relative to its growth. The company has continued to put its earnings uh, after earnings, and so they think if you look at over the long term, you would consider the stock a value. Okay, so that's a weird one, right? Apple is a value stock. Do you want growth? Do you want growth at value? Do you want value? Risks come with growth. Fewer risk, in theory, comes with value, except for, as Admiral Akbar once said, it's a trap. you got to watch out for value traps, companies that are slowing down but continue to slow down and slow down and slow down, and it never stops. You know, that, that little wound that won't heal, that little scab that you pick at? Uh, analysts are today saying it's not a trap. It's a valuation buy, and they're responding to Bank of America making a strong statement. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. 
Black and your money. I think the big story of the day has to be again tied towards Boeing. It's never a good thing when a tragedy turns into a theme investment idea. So the markets are dealing with that today. Boeing has extended its losses, and it's a big company. So when they're down six, seven, eight, nine bucks, they're down billions of dollars of market cap. That's telling you that their their image is getting truly damaged at this point in time. And maybe people say, let's hold on to the stock versus let's buy the stock. Or maybe just bypass it and let the storm pass. Dick's Sporting Goods, despite beating our estimates, um, is lower. Now, I'm in the world of retail, how much investing dollars do you have? Or how many investing dollars do you have? And where does it go? I, I, I don't have space for Dick's Sporting Goods. I get it. Because, again, it's one of those trends. Americans like to go out and be active. Like, like Americans like to sit at home and watch Netflix. It's kind of a conundrum, but it is what it is. Typically, we have Patrick O'Hare on during the segment. We're having a little difficulty getting him online, technically speaking. We'll see if we can't get that fixed in the next minute or two. Hewlett-Packard Enterprises. HP. I just bought a printer the other day, and I bought a brother printer. Now, back in the day, you would have to buy HP. It's like back in the day, it had to be a Dell computer. But as times have evolved, it's sometimes tough on these tech legacy companies to keep their... It, it, it's a must-play. Like, Intel Inside was a must-do. And then AMD and companies like Apple started making other semiconductors that can go inside computers, not just Intel's. So Hewlett-Packard, now Enterprise, I'm not going to say I don't follow them. Are they kind of an IBM kind of eh kind of play? Where you can find something else. That's the feeling. Let's bring in Patrick O'Hare with briefing.com. Mr. O'Hare, how are you, sir? Hey, good morning, Rob. Good to be back with you. Um, what's what's driving the market these days? What's the big story? What's what's making your job easy, per se? <laughs> well, I think the, um, the Federal Reserve's making everyone's job easy so far in 2019. Um, I you know, from my vantage point, I, th- I think that's really been the, the the main catalytic factor behind behind the market. Um, you know, a lot of people want to call attention to the idea that you're going to get, you know, a potential trade deal with between China and the U.S., <clears throat> uh, which is all well and good if it does come to fruition. But we've got enough uh, history on our side in this bull market to know that the stock market just feasts on the notion that interest rates are going to remain low for an extended period of time. And right now, that's the signaling. Um, that the Federal Reserve is giving us, and it's certainly um, manifesting itself in the Fed Funds futures market, which does not expect there to be another rate hike this year, and is, in fact is starting to price in the probability of a, uh, of a rate cut um, sometime in early 2020. So, um, so you have, you know, a favorable interest rate environment right now uh, for, for risk assets because those rates just are not moving up. I was driving into work this morning listening to Bloomberg television in my car. Um, but what's interesting to note about that, an analyst came on and he basically said this bull market can keep on going because interest rates are going to stay below 3% or in that area for an extended period of time. 
So it seems like you're maybe in agreement that as interest rates stay low, the market has an opportunity to continue to keep its run. Is that fair to say? Is that what I just heard? You well, kind of run up. Uh, I mean, it is obviously you'll you know you'll run into um, uh, some valuation roadblocks uh, every now and then. I think you kind of get this sort of um, you know push and pull factor that goes on with the persistence of low interest rates that are a byproduct really of kind of weak economic growth, right? So you know, so you do run into questions eventually of just you know how much you really want to pay up for every dollar of earnings uh, when those earnings are either flat or maybe even declining for the overall market. Uh, so, uh, so the gist of things is that you can get a market that has an upward bias uh, that then goes into a, a corrective mode for a time. Uh, but if interest rates remain low, it, it does kind of continue to breathe life into that, that willingness to buy the dip. And so you kind of repeat the process again. And so, uh, so, so from a trend perspective, with interest rates remaining low, I think that you ultimately do have a market that continues to find support. Um, so that's a really important factor, though, in terms of um, how far this bull market can continue to run. Um, you know, if interest rates were to spike for any reason, it uh, be a much different situation. But the persistence of, uh, of low rates, both nominal and real rates, uh, is helping to underpin risk assets and this willingness to buy, uh, buy every dip. We both have a family. What advice would we, or what advice should we be giving to our younger members um, when we see stories like Boeing? Um, that you know, it's it's a big thing where obviously people the seven thirty seven jumbo max um, eight plane is having problems or maybe having problems. Like, how do you explain that one to like not investors, but uh, want to be investors and people who are kind of like speculative or kind of like leery of investing? Well, you know, I think you, you kind of explain it in in a um, ideally with a longer term time frame in mind, right? So clearly, the uh, the short there's going to be short term disruption here for Boeing as it just deals with a lot of headline volatility, uh, and you, you know you you get a market that kind of shoots first and asks questions later, particularly for stocks that have made big runs. Uh, Boeing is one of those stocks. I mean, it's up. It was a little over a week ago at its high. It was up, I think, roughly about 50% from its low in December. I mean, 50% for, for a company like Boeing is just an absolutely massive move. So it was overextended to begin with. And, and obviously, you get a very worrisome and understandably worrisome headline related to the, uh, to the crash in Ethiopia and, and some questions surrounding um, you know, 737 max 8, and so you're going to get this knee-jerk selling interest. And so what I would tell him is that, you know, in a period like this when a stock has made a big run, you don't need to be a cowboy rushing in to try and buy the first first dip. I mean, there are some issues that need to be settled, clearly, but, um, but ultimately when you have a company that... You know, they don't have a monopoly, but they certainly have a pretty good uh, deep moat um, uh, that has a, a, an extremely strong order book out for years. Um, you do see opportunities like this, you know, when the dust has, settles as an opportunity to uh, to look back into into the stock and to, to, you know, put some money to work. But, you know, in the immediate rush of things, it's probably not that necessary, just given that, you know, Boeing is already sporting a, you know, decent sized valuation and it already made a huge run in just in a very short amount of time. Kind of like the way you summed that up. 
what else are you working on right now? Because I'm at briefing and I'm seeing a lot on Japan, Australia, Singapore. I'm seeing a lot of international market reporting um, kind of as, I'm not saying dominating the headlines, but it, it's definitively influencing how we're reacting in the United States and briefings on top of it. What are you focusing on right now, your efforts? Well, you know, I do have to say um, uh, that uh, I think last week I, um, I jumped the gun in telling you that I might be working on a piece for the big picture that relates to the trend in earnings estimates. And it just so happens that things unfolded there. I ended up talking about really the disparate showings between the stock and treasury markets and what that might actually be, uh, what the message of that uh, disparate showing might be. So that said, I think this week will indeed be a focus on the trend in earnings estimates. And, and one of the um, uh, focal points, kind of to the point that, that you're talking about, Rob, is is this idea that companies, multinational companies that do uh, you know, a significant number, a uh, large amount of sales overseas, uh, are the ones that are likely to see the biggest hit to earnings estimates in the first quarter. Um, so, so I'll be highlighting that point and just generally talking about where the market stands, I think, relative to historical valuation and, and how we've seen, you know, multiple expansion in 2019 with prices going up and earnings estimates coming down and kind of where you might hit that inflection point where that, um, you know, may not continue to be the case. Thanks very much. It's Patrick O'Hare with Briefing.com giving us a perspective on what he's working on and what he's doing at briefing. I start my day every day with his page one column, but my goodness, briefing's got a lot of content, a lot of international work. Um, They're kind of a a stock briefing company. So thanks very much. Uh, Taking a look at some of the other stories that are being reported on today. Stitch fix is up 27%. Whoa. 27% topping expectations. Small.com. Can you even call a company a dot-com anymore? It's funny that I say that because way back in the day I was interviewing um, the CEO of Network Solutions. And there was a guy who was on my show on occasion as a technology expert guest. And he said, if you're not a dot-com, you're a dot-nothing. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I'm like, that's going to be my bumper sticker. And is .com still... Stitch Fix isn't... They're doing one of those subscription clothing issues. Subscription dinner issues. Subscription, like, subscription, 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 subscription. Uh, Spotify can now be had with Hulu as a bundle. Subscription. Subscription's a big buzzword on Wall Street right now. What? Where's the sizzle? Subscriptions help. <laughs> if you're selling that to Wall Street, if you can throw in the word subscription, then growth and subscriptions... It's recurring, and people love recurring. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Big seminar coming up in Burlingame on the 21st of this month. You can learn more by going to Rob Black's show. It's Income and Tax Planning, March 21st in Burlingame um, at the Hilton Hotel, Doubletree by Hilton Hotel. You can sign up for the event at Rob Black's show. Use the code RADIO25 to get in free. It's next Thursday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black. 
and your Doleros. Talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. UK, China, Australia, and Singapore, and other countries have all now banned 737 MAX 8 after two deadly crashes. Indonesia and Ethiopia. Ethiopia is really considered like the tipping point in large part because it's the second, thus setting up a trend of an unexplained crash with a same new airplane, relatively new speaking. Boeing has been saying they're working on some software updates, but they are not tied towards the crashes. So says Boeing. But what do we know? I don't know. That's the problem. What happens to Boeing? As an investor, you don't know right now. So a lot of investors will say, let's just sit tight. Sometimes the best course of action is no action. Some investors will say, well, I got cash. Should we buy Boeing as an opportunity? Or should I look elsewhere? Because I don't know how this shakes out. Shake your money. Shake, shake your money. We don't know how this shakes out. And again, it, it, there, there's a, a line in some movie somewhere. I'm a gambling man by nature. That, that says a lot, right? I'm a gambling man by nature. Maybe look at a weakness in a uh, Boeing as an opportunity. You know, some people probably speculated on PG&E at the all-time low and hit massive home runs in the short term. Are you a gambling man by nature? In love, I'm a gambling man by nature. In money, not so much. And I think that tells you a lot about me. Um, I know you're saying, I, I want to get to know you, Rob. How about no? Wells Fargo CEO Tim Sloan is testifying before Democrats in Congress. Uh-oh, watch out for Elizabeth Warren. She has a thing that she hates. Wells Fargo CEOs don't don't let her ask you questions. He's defending the, his efforts at cleaning up the bank's fake account scandal that, you know, rocked Wells Fargo stock in October 2016. He's defending his efforts at, you know, putting in plans to help. Some of their employees were incentivized to open accounts, and in this day and age, it's like, hey, Mr. Black, I see you just have a deposit for $10,000. Thank you. You're welcome. Have a nice day. And then said worker's like, okay, let's send him a credit card. Let's send him a savings. Let's sign him up for a savings account and put in $1,000. I don't know how it was executed, but that's what happened. That's what went down. His employees were setting up fake accounts in mortgages and auto lending and wealth management operations. It was a systemic problem. And Wells Fargo is one of the stocks that Warren Buffett owns. And if it's good enough for Warren, and it might be good enough for you, is my bumper sticker, right? Maybe, maybe not. Tesla's stock is dropping right now, so says a Morgan Stanley analyst. Because the wait times are as little as two weeks. And that's not good, because it's a demand-driven story. Inside the analysis, he, he kind of paints the picture of, like, Elon Musk's ambitions are too ambitious for the company and might be hurting the company. Coming up with a Model 3 and raising prices, dropping prices, trying to get the consumer into it, going with the X-Wing car, that they, minivan thing that they have, SUV, whatever you want to call it. 
then you had the Model S and coming up with like self-driving technologies and super speed modes and things. It, it's almost every, as if he's, you don't have to do it. It's the old Jerry Maguire. You had me at hello. People wanted your car. And now you've given them too many options. And by giving them too many options, you have to meet, meet those expectations. And that's pricey. Are you with me against me? 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. A lot of Americans are moving abroad for health care. Especially in retirement. This is a big story. The notion that health care outside the United States could be as good as well as cheap as it is to uh, Americans, is, is, it's a compelling thought. In the United States, emergency dental uh, surgery is going to cost you $5,000 to $10,000. Um, in Paris, $4,500. I know dads who, they're they French and they're working in the United States. I'm French! And uh, he actually went back to France to have his surgery done because it was cheaper. So if you get into a, a motorbike accident in Panama, you'd be like, whoa, that wasn't that bad. 20 bucks. Low-cost quality health care is an issue. For retirement, what are your issues for retirement? Do you want to travel? Do you want to be a great grandparent? Do you want access to great health care? Because I know a lot of people, when they turn 60, they have the fear of death like they've never had before. And the moment their fingernail has a chip in it, they go to the doctor and say, is this okay? And the doctor's like, your fingernail has a chip. He's like, oh, I thought it was cancer. So as we age, we want more health care. Well, not we. People want more health care. It's kind of an investment theme, right? Low-cost quality health care. Uh, would you go to Mexico or Panama? Would you go to a small country in India or a small city in India? Would you go to a big city in India? I think you need to have these questions in your head. I know right now you're like, there's a new game out that I'm playing on the Sony PlayStation 4. At some point in time, let it cross your head that you might retire and what, what's it going to look like for you? What do you want it to look like? Come to the big event coming up. I'm going to talk about retirement and income. I think you want to have income in retirement. I want as much income in retirement as I can have because I don't want as little income as I want. I don't want to be in that position of choosing. So big seminar Thursday, the 21st, in Burlingame at the Doubletree Hotel. Easy parking. You can find out more by going to Rob Black's show Thursday at 630 to 830. Code is RADIO25. Hope to see you there. What do you want your retirement to look like? Cheap health care? Big spending, low spending, living in a trailer. We'll talk about that and more. Sign up at robblackshow.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.